Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 29 up to verse 45, and you will find this on page 1003 of the Pew Bibles, and it will also be on the screen. So this is Mark 1, verses 29 to 45, the mission of the king. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told, told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who were ill and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places, yet the people still came to him from everywhere. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, If we haven't met, uh, my name's Chris. Very good to be with you this morning. Uh, Do keep your Bibles open in front of you if you'd like to follow along. Uh, as we look at these encounters uh, in Mark's Gospel. Uh, let, me, let me pray before we start. Heavenly Father, thank you that in Jesus Christ you have come to us. And as we consider him now, help us to understand him as he truly is and respond to him as we should. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I bet you've all had times when um, uh, someone has given us a, a gift of some sort, and um, in our excitement, uh, we've grabbed the gift off them effectively, and we kind of ripped off the wrapping paper, you know, that kind of thing, and you get all super excited, 
but then you forget to say thank you. Have I had that? And maybe your mum or your dad has kind of, you know, given you a stare or kind of an elbow in the ribs. It's like, well, Chris, you're going to say thank you. It's like, oh yes, uh, of course, thank you very much, auntie. Thank you. Um, that's quite normal, isn't it? I think to kind of grab something great, exciting, uh, without being grateful for it. And if you're the auntie in that situation, or you know, you might not mind too much. It might be okay. It's quite a cute thing to see them all excited. Uh, but sometimes, though, um, grabbing something without being grateful uh, gets quite serious, actually. Uh, families have been kind of ripped apart because of that kind of thing. It can be very serious. And it is possible to make that same mistake when it comes to God, specifically Jesus. It is possible to grab what God in Jesus offers you, but not be grateful. In our passage today, God tells us that is a big mistake to make. And it's quite a common mistake. Mark's gospel, um, Mark's gospel is all about Jesus bringing God's kingdom. And one of the first things that Jesus did was to announce that the kingdom of God has come near. It's not far, it's near. So Jesus says, turn back to God, repent, and believe, uh, because it's good news. And then Jesus kind of backs up what he says by showing the most extraordinary authority. Authority in his teaching. Authority in driving out demons. And we saw that in the passage a couple of weeks ago. So things are getting quite exciting. Uh, There's something new going on here, not seen before. His authority, he's got something, this guy Jesus. But what's he going to do with all his authority? Our passage today shows us that Jesus, with all his authority, Jesus came to serve. He came to serve. His mission is one of utter God-given authority, but seen in service. Now that might be a new thought uh, for you to hear. Um, In one sense, though, to the people Jesus met, uh, this should not have been a new thought, really. Uh, Because in the Old Testament, uh, before Jesus, uh, God had promised that a really important person in the future would bring God's kingdom. And God called that person uh, his servant, the servant of the Lord. So it should not have been a new thought, but still most people didn't get it. And for us, we do need to get this if we're to understand Jesus rightly and respond to him rightly. So in our passage today, we'll see kind of, yeah, three episodes, really. And in three different ways, they show us this. They show us, don't grab after Jesus' authority. Instead, be grateful that he would serve you. Let me say that again. Don't grab after Jesus' authority. Instead, be grateful that he would serve you. So let's turn to the passage. Um, first of all, from verse 29. 29. This is our first encounter. Jesus uses his authority to serve. Jesus uses his authority to serve. So, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. 
So Jesus uses his authority here to serve. Simon's mother-in-law has a fever. She's clearly bed-bound. Uh, we don't know for how long or how bad, but, uh, but Jesus goes to her. And notice there's no fanfare here at all. Jesus does not say, okay, guys, um, watch this. This is going to be awesome. You know, get your phones out, take a photo, FOMO, don't miss out on this. It's going to be great. It doesn't say that. There's no fanfare. He goes to her. He takes her by the hand. He helps her up. And the fever, we're told, just leaves her. There's Jesus' authority, isn't it? The fever just leaves. That's it. No fuss. Just leaves. Just like someone walking out the door. Just leaves. Jesus has served this mother-in-law here. He's healed her. And this thought continues in the next verses. So from verse 32. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who were ill and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak, because they knew who he was. All these, um, these crowds of ill people and possessed people, will Jesus serve them too? He will. Verse 34, he healed many uh, the word healed there is uh, it's interesting. Um, in the original language, it's not the word meaning saved, which Mark uses elsewhere. It's a word that in other places means especially uh, to serve, to take care of. So that reinforces what's going on here. Jesus uses his authority not to kind of rack up another kind of healing trophy for the trophy cabinet, but to serve people. Not to serve himself, not to subject people, but to serve them. And the other big way that we see that is in Simon's mother-in-law. What does she do after she's healed? Did you notice? Look back to verse 31. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. If you're thinking... Um, that's a bit rich of you, Jesus. You know, just uh, kind of heal a lady so she'll waitress for you. If that's what you're thinking, that would be unfair, I think. That's not what's going on. Uh, the word there is that she began to serve them. It's the word diakone, which you get the word deacons from that. Jesus has served her, so she serves him. She doesn't kind of get her phone out for an Instagram picture. You know, Jesus, can we have a selfie? That, it just doesn't do that. She doesn't run out onto the streets shouting about it to everyone. She loves Jesus for what he's done for her. So she wants to serve him. Later in Mark's Gospel, we find out that she's not the only woman who responds to Jesus this way. When Jesus had been kind of crucified and breathed his last on the cross... Mark writes this. This is in chapter 15. He writes, Some women were watching from a distance, watching Jesus die. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. It's interesting. These women at the cross and Simon's mother-in-law, all in Galilee, had experienced Jesus serving them. They loved Jesus for how he'd helped them. 
So they served him back. They followed him, cared for his needs, cared for him. Now, uh, what to make of this for ourselves? Uh, Well, this episode brings up at least a couple of very important questions. Here's a question. Do you know, do you get in your heart that Jesus came to serve you? He came for your good. In the end, by dying your death to bring you to God, he served you, not to serve himself, not to subject you, but to serve you. Do you get that? Here's another question. Um, Do you also know that Jesus came to serve you personally? Not only you, of course, and we'll come to that, but, but you personally. He's died for your sins personally. He died and rose for your ultimate healing, for your salvation, for your good, your life in heaven. He served you personally. Are you grateful to him for that? And the thing is that God won't always use his authority actually to save us from every sickness or disease. But in Jesus, he'll always serve us. He'll always do that. In January this year, uh, my father was diagnosed with bowel cancer. And he didn't get better. He got worse. But as my family and I were kind of watching him very quickly kind of waste away to his death, it was very clear to us, very clear, that he would have loved to have been saved from it. But he was always so grateful to God that Jesus was looking after him. Even as he was dying, he knew that Jesus was serving him and that he'd be with Jesus on the other side. He knew that. Jesus um, uses his authority to serve. Well, what happens next? Uh, Let's move on to the next encounter, the next one. Jesus chooses preaching over popularity. So let's read um, from verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. And so Jesus is getting pretty popular by this stage, isn't he? You know, the crowds were there the night before. And then he slopes off early in the morning. People are like, where's he gone? Where's he gone? The search parties go out. You can imagine um, Simon and the others finally reaching Jesus, puffing out of breath. Phew, we found you, Jesus. Come on, don't disappear. Don't do that again. Everyone is looking for you. Feels a bit like a kind of a PR manager for a new band, you know? Uh, Jesus, the crowds love you. You're so popular. This is your big chance. You're going to make it. But Jesus is not after popularity. His priority is different. First of all, Jesus' priority is spending time with his heavenly Father. Jesus needs quality, solitary time communing with his father. You might be thinking, uh, wow, if, if Jesus needs that time, well, how much more do I need that time? But second of all, B, 
being with his father focuses Jesus even more on the whole reason why Jesus had come into the world. Jesus says to his disciples, we need to keep moving. We need to keep moving. Uh, So verse 38, Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Literally, he says, um, that is why I came out. So he has come out of the town he was in to keep moving. If I stay there, other people in other places will not hear the good news of God's kingdom. People need to hear. So we've got to keep moving. I've got to preach the good news. Verse 39. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Jesus chooses preaching over popularity. This brings up several things for us, I think. It does bring up, if you are a Christian, it is possible to care more about being popular than about spending time with God or than about sharing the good news of God. That's very possible to care more about popularity. That's often a big temptation. Or I think this is a helpful question to ask as well from this. What gets you more excited? Do you get more excited by the thought of grabbing onto Jesus' authority in some way, perhaps his uh, material healing power, his miracle-making, as it were? Or do you get more excited by the thought of people coming to know God through Jesus? More people saved from sin and death. What gets you more excited Jesus would say, make it the latter. And one more vital thing is this. This passage, I think, just brings up how much do we really get Jesus? What I mean is, we see here, Jesus' heart is so much the servant's heart. Popularity for popularity's sake does not excite him. Isn't that extraordinary? It just doesn't. His heart is so immune to that. It doesn't get under his skin. His heart is a pure heart of power yet humility, of authority yet humility. Nothing stops him from serving people's greatest needs to bring them to God. Extraordinary. Do we get that about Jesus? Or do we perhaps treat him like a slightly better version of a human being than we are? Do we get there's been no one like Jesus? There will be no one like Jesus. He is human like us, but his heart is of a totally different order. Jesus chooses preaching over popularity. Uh, Let's move on to the the last of the three encounters. The last of the three. Uh, Verse 40. Jesus loses his freedom in serving others. So verse 40. Uh, a man with leprosy came to him. Uh, people with leprosy were outside society. Uh, they were not free to go where they liked because they were unclean, literally. You would not dream of touching them, contagious. This leper, he, he came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, 
If you are willing, Jesus, you can make me clean. Jesus, people never even come close to me. Will you serve me? Jesus was indignant, it says. It means um, he was kind of angry at this man's plight. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Oh my goodness. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. What willingness from Jesus. And again, what authority. Now, Jesus also wants to restore this man, not just in his body, but also in society. So that's uh, what happens in verse 43. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you do not tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So he's saying um, in that bit, um, go and do the ceremonies that show society you're in the clear. You won't be on the outside anymore. Fully restored. Free. But the man does not obey Jesus. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. He disobeys. And the cost of that disobedience falls on Jesus. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. All the fuss kind of going on with Jesus kind of healing and kind of probably all the crowds, lots of attention, that means that Jesus had to stay outside. He couldn't go into the towns openly. Had to stay outside. In effect, Jesus has traded places with the uncleanest of unclean man. Jesus has served him. He's healed him. But in doing so, Jesus lost his own freedom. He wasn't free to preach where he wanted. Jesus loses his freedom in serving others. Let's think about this a little bit more deeply. The leper got so excited about what Jesus had done through his amazing authority. And the leper, he grabbed it and he told everyone about it. But was he grateful to Jesus? In his lack of obedience, we do see a lack of gratitude, don't you think? Jesus had served him in the most wonderful, compassionate way. Yet when Jesus gives the leper a strong warning not to tell, the leper just ignores Jesus. He grabs and goes, you could say. I think Mark records this encounter here because it puts a spotlight onto the condition of the human heart. We see here something of how we as humans treat our God, our Creator. Human hearts naturally kind of grab what God gives us, but we're not truly grateful to him. The Apostle Paul writes about it in this way. This is from um, the letter to the Romans, chapter 1. Paul says this, he says, 
For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen. But although humanity knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. The depth of human sin is we grab what God gives us. We grab life and breath. Whatever we can get hold of for food and drink and sex and money and house and and our friends at school, our job, our freedom, our minds, whatever we love in life. We grab what God gives us but we're not truly grateful to him. Now this lack of gratitude, this sin, it's not a surprise to Jesus, not to him. He knew that he would have to bear the cost of it. And later on, dying on the cross, watched by those women who he'd served and who cared for him, dying on the cross, he bore in his body the cost of that sin that ingratitude. He bore the death that should have been ours. Do you know that Jesus died to serve you in that way? To bear the cost? He bore it for you. Jesus, he he uses his authority to serve. He chooses preaching over popularity. He loses his freedom in serving others. So don't grab after his authority, but be grateful that he would serve you. I want to come to a close by reading to you how one writer comments on this section of Jesus' mission in Mark's Gospel. I find this a very helpful quote. And it should come on the screen, that's it there. Let me read this. That which truly changes the human heart and ultimately compels one to recognize and follow Jesus, can never come from coercion or a display of miraculous power. Jesus will have no allegiance exacted by amazement and astonishment. The faith of his disciples must be evoked through humility and ultimately through suffering. If if one will not receive Jesus in this form, one will not receive Jesus in all his power and majesty. Do you see what he's saying in that? If Jesus' authority and power really excites you and you just want to grab what he offers, well, actually, you've got him wrong. But if by knowing that in his authority and power he came to serve you, serve you in death, Ah, well, then he's humbled you. He's humbled you. Don't grab after Jesus' authority. Be grateful that he would serve you. Let's pray together. Father God, we are sorry that we so easily grab after things that excite us, yet we are so slow to go to you in gratitude. So, Father, all the more we want to say thank you 
Thank you that Jesus came to serve us and die for us. Help us to let go of other things that excite us and grab tightly onto him and him only, who is your true servant. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.